um, Australia, England, South Africa, Tanzania, Uganda, Kenya, Canada, and the West Indies. And as many of you know, he has a gift of memorizing the Bible scriptures. It's such a blessing that we have a gift um, for our annual church retreat. I pray that God will fill our hearts and minds with His message and the Holy Spirit so we may experience God's presence here. Let's welcome Pastor Randy Spirit. Which means it is 10 minutes to 12. When should I finish? 
One. Okay, one. <laughs> Let me ask my little friend here. When, how, much, how many minutes will you give me to preach the sermon? Uh, an hour. Okay, my friend said an hour. How many minutes will you give me? Uh, an hour, okay. How about you? And how about you? An hour. An hour, alright. I have been given an hour by four elders of this church. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you for giving me the strange figure from Michigan one hour. I won't take an hour, probably take 59 minutes, but certainly <laughs> an hour. Are you happy to be in God's house? Yes. Say amen. Amen. All right. What I'll do, here's the, the procedure I will follow. How many of you were here last night? Raise your right hand quickly. All right. Thank you for raising quickly. I will take the first five or ten minutes and I will review what we talked about last night. Then I will move into this morning's message. The subject is the impotence of omnipotence. Remember Jesus was always healing one impotent man or another. The impotence of omnipotence. But first let me review last night's subject which was the silence of omnipotence. Let us pray. Quietly reverently. Our Father in heaven, we bow in your presence. You are the creator of heaven and earth. The angels bow in your presence. They veil their faces. You are high and lifted up, but you love us personally. Now, Father, as we embark upon the study of your word, Grant us your spirit, the spirit of truth. Remember the words you said to Moses in Exodus chapter 4 verse 12, and you said to him, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Teach me, I pray, that your people may be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Last night he said essentially that Jesus Christ was crucified between how many thieves? Three or four? Two. That's right. I like you. You're bright and good looking. I like you. He was crucified between two thieves. One on the right and one on the left. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, reading from verse 38, Then were there two thieves crucified with him. One on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroys the temple and buildest it in three days, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. <coughs> Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. And verse 43, the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Meaning that the two thieves were saying the same thing to Jesus Christ. If you are who you say you are, come down. But at some point, one of the thieves had a change of heart. And we discover that in Luke chapter 27, reading from verse 39. Luke, not Luke 27, Luke 23, reading from verse 39. In that passage, the Bible says, and one of the malefactors, and what is a malefactor? Someone who does bad things. One of the malefactors, which were hanging or crucified with him, railed on him, blaspheming, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Now listen to the other thief, the one on the right. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verse 43 of Luke chapter 23, Verily I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And the question we asked last night, how is it possible that Jesus Christ, 
Who came to die for whom? Us, the world. That's right. Jesus came to die for everyone. Jesus died for you because he loves you. Jesus died for me because he loves me. Jesus died for the world. Now Jesus was on that cross. He was in the actual act of dying for both thieves. Are you listening to me? Jesus was dying for both of the thieves. The one on the right and the one on the left. But he only saved one. And he was dying for both. Did Jesus die for you, yes or no? Yes. yes. Will he save you? Yes. Depends on me. Depends on you. You see, Jesus can't force you to be saved. When I was a little boy, my mother would force me to take my medicine. And I didn't like it, but I had to take it. She forced me to go to bed, which I needed to do. And she forced me to do all sorts of things. Now, God cannot force you to be saved. You have to want it and come to him and ask him for it with all your heart. The thief on the right, he allowed the Spirit of God to change his heart. And he saw in Jesus not someone to blaspheme, but someone who can save him. And he recognized Jesus as Lord. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The thief on the left had the same opportunity, but did not take it. God cannot save you against your will. Now, Jesus can die for you against your will. Let me be clear you're listening to me. Or that you're understanding me. Jesus Christ. God, the Holy Spirit, when they made the plan to save us, they did not ask for our permission. God does not need your permission to say, here is salvation, come and get it. Here it is. But now he expects those of us who want it to come at his invitation and to receive it. That's what the thief on the right did. He said, Lord, save me. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And we were stressing last night, we must make individual choices to be saved. The thief on the right made a choice to be saved. The thief on the left made no choice. And Jesus spoke to the thief on the right. And he said absolutely nothing to the thief on the left, even though he was dying for all men and women. He said nothing to that man. And that man was as close to him as the thief on the right was. Is it possible that Jesus died for you? Well, it's not possible. It is a fact that he died for you. But is it possible that he's saying nothing to you? Having died for you, having died for me, is it possible that Jesus says nothing to us? Because in our hearts, we don't want to be saved. The way Jesus desires to save us. Salvation needs a transformation. A reclaiming from sin to a life of righteousness. God saves us from something to something else. Matthew 1, 21. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Too many of us want to be saved in our sins. Because we like our sins. That thief on the cross, before he died, he came to the place where he hated his sin. And he hated the sins of his friends on the other side. Because he said, he rebuked him, the Bible says. We must come to the place when we're genuinely converted. We rebuke sin. We hate sin in us and in others. I didn't say we hate people. We hate sin. And whenever we see it, we rebuke. Whether by word or by attitude or by refusing to be a part of it. And so the Bible says that the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? He experienced a change on that cross. He had to ask for it. No one is saved automatically. Are you listening? No one is saved automatically. Amen. Salvation 
does not sail along in our lives on autopilot. That's for claims, not for salvation. Salvation is purposeful, it is intentional, it is something that is active. We must desire it, we must play our part. And having said we must play our part, the creation bridge for me to move into this morning subject. The impotence of omnipotence. What time is it? Twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock. Ten minutes are gone. I have fifty more. <laughs> the Bible says in Mark chapter one, reading verse fourteen. Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. Do you have Mark? The Bible says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. That was the heart of his message. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. When Jesus sent the twelve out according to the record in Mark chapter 6, in verse 12 the Bible says, And they went everywhere and preached, and preached that men should repent. This is at the heart of the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Now the gospel is both the gospel of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's see that from scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17. <coughs> 1 Peter 4, chapter verse 17 or verse 19, one of those two, of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, but the time has come that judgment should begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of whom? God. Now, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. We have just read in Peter that the gospel is the gospel of God. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. This is talking about the coming of Jesus Christ to deal with the sinners. And the Bible says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance of them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of whom? Lord Jesus Our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the gospel of God. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are both heavily invested in the gospel. And so also is the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost are all invested in the gospel. Now what does the gospel do? What is the gospel? Let's go to Romans chapter 1, reading verse 16. What is the gospel? As we continue, the impotence of omnipotence. Romans chapter 1, reading from verse 16. Paul says, For I am not what? Ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is what? The power of whom? God. Unto what? Salvation. The only way a man can be saved is if God's power is exercised. Because salvation is such a powerful miracle, it requires the power of God Himself, not the power of the angel Gabriel, who is the highest angel in heaven. That's not enough power. I'm trying to build up the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We have power, it comes from God, and it saves. Let me give you another example of how powerful the gospel is. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Reading from verse 15. Ephesians 1, reading from verse 15 as we continue the impotence of omnipotence. And help your children to find these texts in the Bible. It's an excellent time to teach them where the Bible books are found. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that he may know what is the hope of his calling, 
and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his what? His power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he did what? Raise him from the dead. The power of the gospel is the power that reverses death. How many of you have lost a loved one? Can I see your hands? My father's dead. Wouldn't you love to have that loved one back? Can you go to the Mayo Clinic and ask one of those physicians to bring your loved one back from the grave? No. You can't go to the University of Michigan or Loma Linda. They don't have the power. There is no earthly place where you can go. God says, I have power that can reverse death, that can undo death, that can cancel death, and that power is in the gospel. Because when I save a man or a woman, I save that person from death. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, And you have been quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We must understand, when God saves a man or a woman, He saves that person from death. We're told in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 6, She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Are there any dead people here today? Don't answer. 1 Timothy 5 6, Any woman, and by that, any man who lives for pleasure is dead while that person is physiologically alive. And so my question remains Are there any dead people here today? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Now, if that kind of power is exercised, it should accomplish results. Right or wrong? Yes, it should. But we're discussing the influence of a Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Let's read verse 2. What time is it? Can I have a call? Someone say yes or no? Alright. Don't worry about it. Okay. But I try to be time conscious because you have things to do. Like read great controversy and that. How to some dance and food because I want to hold you up. Am I right? Yes. You have some serious Bible study for this afternoon on the Sabbath? So I want to give you time. Hebrews 4 verse 2, the Bible says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now who is them? The Israelites in the wilderness. Paul is saying, the same gospel that was preached in the days of the apostles was preached hundreds of years before to the Israelites because there has always been only one gospel. Let's go back and read verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, pause. What did you say the gospel was? God's what? Power. What example did we give of how powerful this power is? It can reverse death. Physical and spiritual. Now, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says, this same gospel, this death-reversing gospel, this gospel that reclaims spiritual death, physical death, this gospel that saves, it was preached to the Israelites in the wilderness, but did not profit them. It accomplished how much? Now, is God weak? Is the gospel weak? Is God impotent? It profited, it did not profit them, and the reason is given not being what? Mixed. Now focus on that word mixed. For there to be a mixture, you need at least how many ingredients? Two. Stay with me. You need at least two ingredients. Sometimes I buy orange juice concentrate. What do you have to do? Put water in it. 
That's right. So you get the concentrate, and the can tells you how many cans of water to put. And you mix them, and you drink delicious orange juice. You're building a foundation for a house, you buy the cement, and you mix it with water. Water, water stir it up, and if it's quick drying, you better move fast. The gospel preached unto them did not profit them, not being, what's the word? Mixed. Mixed with what? Faith. Now, we have two ingredients, and we have two sources of those ingredients. What are the two ingredients? The gospel, what's the other one? Now, what are the two sources of those ingredients? The gospel, it sources faith, it sources us. Can God save you without your involvement? No. Does God know how to save people? Yes. Is God an expert in saving people? Yes. yes. Does He have a PhD in saving people? Yes. Yes. But did He sometimes fail to save people? Yes. Yes. Is it His fault? No. Was it straight bad? Did he go to the wrong school? No! God does his part. He brings his part. We fail to bring ours, which is faith. Belief. In God. And so, by having no faith, we create a situation this Christ has. The impotence. The gospel preached unto them did not profit. Now let's see that in the life of Christ. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Christ has come back to his hometown and he preaches in the temple on the synagogue and the people are amazed at his wisdom and they begin to try to tear him down by questioning his origin. Is this not the Catholic son? Is not his mother Mary? And they list his brothers, they don't name his sisters. Where did he get all this knowledge? Now in verse 58, we read something very interesting. And he did, this is Matthew 13, verse 58, and he did not many mighty works there. Why? Unbelief. Because, finish the verse with me, because of their unbelief. Now, who was Jesus? Now don't hesitate. Who was Jesus? Which means he was also God. God. How much power does, have, does God have? Same. All power. <clears throat> All power. The Bible says in Matthew 30 and 58, and he did there, he did not many mighty works there because of the unbelief. Now Matthew is very kind in the way he expresses that embarrassing situation for Jesus. Let us see how Mark expresses it. He's not fine as polish. Mark chapter 6, reading verse 5. Mark 6, verse 5. Mark is talking about the same circumstance, but he is blunt. Matthew makes Jesus look a little better. Mark just hits Jesus between the eyes respectfully. Mark 6, verse 9, the Bible says, And he what? He could what? Why? Matthew says he didn't. Mark says he could, could not. Now, both things go together because if you can't, you didn't. You didn't get it. Let me try again. It's my fault. If you cannot sing, you didn't sing. Are you following me? Jesus could not do any mighty work. And he could there do no mighty work. Save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and he healed them. In other words, Jesus was only able to do someone had the sniffles and he fixed that. Someone had a cough and he fixed that. But the leper couldn't have him. The dead man couldn't raise him. The blind man couldn't raise him. He could do no mighty work. Why? Was Jesus weak? 
No. What was the problem? Hey. Unbelief. The impotence of omnipotence. Let me ask you Is Jesus having a same problem in our lives? He can't do any mighty work. Because of unbelief. Do you know Jesus wants to work miracles in our lives? Because when people see his miracles in our lives, they want to know what's going on. And we can say, Jesus. Amen. His people are supposed to be billboards of his power. To save, to provide, to sustain. But we're as weak as the rest of the world. And so they ask us nothing. Because he could do no mighty work among the Adventists because of unbelief. What's your new name? Mission Road Church? Mission who? Mission Road Church. Mission Road Seven Adventist Church. Mark 6 5 says, and at the Mission Road Seven Adventist Church, Jesus could there do no mighty work because of unbelief. Mark 6, 5 says, And Jesus could do at Loma Linda no mighty work because of unbelief, save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folks. Someone had a broken finger there, but he fixed it. And Jesus looks helpless and he looks bad. Now this is God. Only a sinner can make God look different. Let's see this impotence again. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. What time is it? Romans chapter 8, verse 3, the Bible says, For what the law, finish it, could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Now, let me ask you this. What is the law of God? As we like to say, it is a what? Transcript of what? His character. All thy commandments are righteousness, the Bible says. The law was given for life. Romans chapter 7, verse, verse 10. Paul said, that which was ordained for life, I count to be under death. The law was given for life. But the Bible says, what the law could not do, it was impotent. Not because the law has a problem, because we have a problem. And so what we have is that the gospel was impotent. Jesus appeared impotent. The law is impotent. Why? The reason remains the same. Unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. The impotence of omnipotence. Isn't it a remarkable thought that a sinner creates a situation that makes God look helpless? The gospel did not profit them, not being into the faith. Jesus could do no mighty work because of unbelief. The law could not do its work because the law has a mission. And Jesus came that through his life, the mission of the law might be fulfilled, which is that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. The mission of the law was not accomplished. The mission of the gospel was not accomplished. The mission of Jesus Christ was not accomplished because of one thing, unbelief. Now we're talking about restored mission. The problem was not the mission. The problem was the people. The missionaries. It's not the mission that needs to be restored. It is us. Because I don't care how you restore the mission to Mission Road Seven Adventist Church. If we don't accept it in faith, it will just be another act of embarrassment. <clears throat> I'll ask you a question, don't answer it. Are we, let me make that singular, are you and I, by my unbelief, blocking a mighty work that God desires to do? Let's go to Matthew 14. And see what God wants from us. 
Matthew 14, as we continue the impotence of omnipotence, Matthew 14. Let's read from verse 28. This is the story of Jesus walking on the water. Have you found Matthew 14? Have you found verse 28? Jesus had told them in verse 27, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. He had told them that because they thought they had seen the spirit and they cried out for fear. He said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Verse 28. I'm a favorite disciple. Who is that? And Peter answering said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me that I come unto thee on the water. Verse 29. And Jesus said unto him, One, come. Let's look at that one word. Come. Who said come? Jesus. Was that the word of God? Yes. Does God's word have power? Yes. Now, did Jesus say, stay where you are, I'll come and get you? You know, a lot of people, they want to sit down in life. They sit like this. Lord, save me. I go to the movie as often as I like, you save me. I go to the strip club, you save me. I'll eat raw meat, you save me. It's your work, you save me. And I just sit right here, enjoy this world, and you save me. When Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come, Jesus did not say, wait where you are, I'm coming. Jesus said, you come. Amen. Amen. You shut down that internet site that ruins your mind. You shut it down. You cut out some recreation and make time for God's work. You stop working on the Sabbath day. You find time for prayer. Amen. You discipline your children before it gets too late. And it becomes too late real quick. You come, says Jesus. Amen. But the word come had all the power of God in it. And so when Jesus said come. The Bible says, and when Peter was come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. What kept him on that water? Faith in what? As expressed by come. Come. That word from Christ had all the power of heaven in it. And no storm could have caused Peter to sink as long as he held on to what? Come. Now if Pontius Pilate had said come, he should not have stepped out of that boat. If I had said come, stay in the boat. Jesus has come, you step out and you walk. Now we have two ingredients that need to be mixed. What are the two? Come and what? Step up. And what happened to Peter when he stepped out in faith? He walked. My beloved brothers and sisters, listen to me. If someone falls in a marriage, do you tell the person, wait? This is more important. When God tells you something, in that command is power to do it. That principle cannot be broken. That principle is found in the Ten Commandments. Now we usually read the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no gods before me. We should read verses 1 and 2 of Exodus 20. And the Lord spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the house of Egypt and out of the land of bondage. What God was saying, I am the God who sent the plague of frogs, the plague of blood, the plague of flies, the plague of lice, the plague of boils, the plague of moraine, the plague of locusts, the plague of hail, the plague of darkness, and the destroying angel. I am the Lord thy God that brought thee out. I demonstrated my power. Now can you trust me? 
to help you to live this way. Because I did this. If I can get you out of Egypt, I can get you to keep these commandments. It's the same thing what Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Notice what he's saying. He said, All power is in me, but you go. He didn't say, All power is in me, and I'm going. He said, All power is in me, but you go. Why? Because the man with the power has sent you. And if I send you, my power will be. We must not make God <coughs> impotent by unbelief. If you did not believe in your children, you wouldn't spend all that money on them. Send them to Harvard and Norman Linder and MIT. And wouldn't do it. If you did not believe that they had the onions to do the work. Your teachers believe in you. That's why they show up every morning. Do you know God believes in us? You know God believes in us. When God told Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. But I have done what? Pray for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Jesus looked down. He said, Peter, I believe you will come through this. I have faith in you. You're going to be shaken and stirred. But I know you will come through. Well, the laws of decency tell us we ought to have some faith in someone who has faith in us. And stop making God look so helpless. If the mission is restored as your theme says, and there is no faith on your part, the mission will collapse as it possibly has collapsed in the past. Are you following me? 
when we fulfill conditions, it is an expression of faith. Now many people say, well, I don't believe the Lord forgave me. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, that's the condition. He is faithful and just to forgive. That's the cause. One precedes the other. Bring me all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, here with the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's condition and that's cause. Bring you all the time. That's condition. Pour out a blessing you cannot receive. That's the cause. The combination, glory help you. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, that's the condition. From doing thine own pleasure on my holy day, that's condition. And call on the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor it. That's condition. Not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thine own words. That's condition. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon what? The high places of the earth. That's the cause. And feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. When we don't fulfill conditions, God cannot activate the cause. And then he looks help us. That's why sometimes when armies invaded Israel, they would say, Can your God deliver you from my hand? Because they haven't seen the God of Israelites do anything for a long time. Can your God deliver you from our hand? The Israelites were weak. So Goliath was insulted when he saw David. When Goliath said, send someone to fight me, no one came. Making God look bad. Until a young boy of faith came. And then the power of God was demonstrated. My brothers and my sisters, we must stop making omnipotence look impotent. With all respect to your theme, the greater concern is we ought to make changes in the mission. That's us. Are we fit to carry out the mission? Acts chapter 2 verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, were, they were all with one accord and in one place. Now they were ready. The missionaries were ready, and the Holy Ghost came. Is Mission Road SDA Church ready to carry out the mission? And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness and what? Then. The condition for the return of Christ is what? The preaching of the gospel. How many more years must people suffer before Christ can fulfill that cause and come? People refuse to believe in a God because all they see is suffering. Now we don't suffer. So it's not an important thing to us if God comes quickly or not. Because as a matter of fact, many of us would prefer if God not come yet until we accomplish certain goals in our lives. But there are people suffering as I speak. And God's heart is broken. He desires to come. But this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world for a witness, and then shall the end come. If it's chronological condition, then cause. I 
sad, that's not my purpose. But I certainly want you to think. I don't want, in the judgment, for anyone to point a finger at me and say, I'm going to hell because of him. And that will happen. I am lost because of her. Romalinda was destroyed because the Adventist church did nothing. I want you and me to make a commitment that we will make God look important, not important, by deciding today, Lord, by your enabling grace, I will fulfill the conditions. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Finish it for me. Yes. What's the condition? What's the condition? What's the condition? The word, where? In the heart. What's the cause? Not sin. Who has to fulfill the condition? Who has to fulfill the condition? We do. And the very power of the cause will bring it to pass. When the word is in us as a living reality, it insulates us. It immunizes us at our request. Thy word have I hid conditions caused. My beloved brothers and sisters, you must decide as an individual. Forget Mission Road Church for now. Just you and God. What can you do to advance the gospel of God? If you don't know, ask him. Sit down and brainstorm. You all work into offices. You know what brainstorming sessions are? Sit down with your family. Gather them all around a fireplace, around a pizza, and begin to brainstorm. What can we do to advance the gospel of God? What can we do to let the neighbor next door? We've lived next to this man for 15 years, and he knows nothing about the Adventist message. I have been in the graduate program four years. I've sat next to this young lady who studied in the library. She knows nothing about my church. Let's make individual decisions. What can I do? When Jesus met Paul, when they collided on the road to Damascus, and Jesus knocked him off that horse, some of us need to be knocked off our high horses. We're too successful. And the Lord needs to knock us down. And that knocking down is always salvific. It's to save us. When Jesus knocked him off the horse and he realized who Christ was, he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Let us ask God today, Lord, what will you have me? Me. I'm an engineer for Boeing. What can I do on that job for you? I'm a carpenter. What can I do for you? I'm a sales representative. What can I do? And if God is eager to come back, I guarantee you, he will show you, if you ask from a sincere heart, he will show you. I'll ask you two questions. I want you to answer both of them. First one, answer by raising your right hand. Are you ready? How many of you love Jesus? How many of you love sinners? I didn't say sin. I'm not going to ask that. How many of you love sinners? Like to see people saved? Then translate that love into action. Do you have friends at school who are not Adventists? Yes, you do. Now here's what I want you to do. Come. Come. 
You come to. You come to. You come to. You come. And you come. Now, do you know young people who love Christians? You have friends who love Adventists. If you find out you have friends who love Adventists, I want you to talk to your parents and say, Mom and Dad, I have a friend who does not know the Adventist message. What can I do? How old are you? Jesus was 10. Do you know that? He came as a baby. He died at 33. He had to be 10 at some point. How old are you? Jesus was 10. How old are you? Jesus was 9. How old are you? Jesus was 9. How old are you? Jesus was 8. How old are you? Jesus was 8. How old are you? Jesus was 10. Did you think Jesus told his friends about his father when he was 10? Yes. I want you to talk to your parents and say, Mom, Dad, I want to do something for Jesus. I have a friend who's not saved. What can I do? Will you do that? Yes. God bless you. You're my little brothers and my little sister. And I love you. You can relax and see. Now, if they can do that, what about you? by the society in which we live, that spiritual things sometimes have a hard time getting through. But Lord, I believe that standing before you are people who are genuine in their commitment. If you show them what they can do, they will do it as individuals, regardless of what the church organizes, as individuals they God. Because your word says in this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. Then shall the end come. Father, we want the end to come. And we're willing to do what you show us. Show us, Father. And by your grace, we will do it. Lord, if there are among us those who have drifted from you, I ask in the name of Jesus to touch their hearts and bring them back. If there are among us, Father, those who are trying to mix the church with the world to come up with a happy compromise, if there are those among us, Lord, convict them that the Bible is either or, that you are black and white God, is either you or the world we cannot mix. And if there are those, Lord, who are mourning because of the condition of the church, give them the assurance that it will not go on forever. Open our eyes to see our true condition. And let us, Lord, every day in little things and big things trust you. Fulfill your conditions that we may not look, make you look impotent, but we may so trust you that by adhering to your conditions, you may work mighty works in our lives, which then will be a witness to those who look at us. Lord, bless every family. Bless my little brothers and sisters who helped me during the sermon. Bless all the children, I pray. Children, 
are old enough to understand. The ones that have seen in this place. Touched their hearts. Help them to understand that Jesus was a child. But as a little boy, Jesus was obedient to his father. As a little boy, he lived a right life. Now watch over us for the remainder of the day. Keep us mindful of the fact that this is the Sabbath. And sometimes the Sabbath is treated more badly by Sabbath keepers than by those who know no better. Have mercy on us, Lord. And when you come into your kingdom, save us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Is someone coming up for anything final? Or is this? Right? We shall see you this afternoon at what time? Four o'clock, the Lord willing. God bless you. God bless you. Thank <laughs> you.